Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. <coughs> this is Saul Weinreb, the host of the podcast. Today we are studying the prophet Jeremiah, that's Yirmiyahu, chapter 38. Just a quick reminder, uh, these chapters that we're in the middle of reading now, which started with 37, are recounting the events that occurred in the final days of the empire of Judah. Well, an empire wouldn't be a, the kingdom of Judah. The last king, Tzedekiah, or Tzedekiah, was on the throne. He had rebelled against Babylon. It was a siege the, that the Babylonians came and laid siege to Jerusalem. And this is all occurring during those final moments before the Babylonians breached the walls of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and, um, and exiled the king, and exiled most of the remaining people of Judea. Now... We at the end of the last chapter, and we also learned in chapter thirty-seven of a momentary reprieve in the uh, siege when the Egyptians came to the aid of Judea. However, it was very short-lived as the Babylonians chased the Egyptians back to Egypt um, and came right back to Jerusalem and laid siege again. We learned that Yirmiyahu during the time of the reprieve was what, trying to get out of the city. He was accused of being a traitor. He was thrown into a dungeon. And then um, uh, the uh, uh, king eventually took him out of the dungeon and put him in the prison courtyard. So he was still imprisoned, but he was in much better conditions. And that's where Yermio was at the end of the last chapter. And that's where he is now in the beginning of chapter 38. So the events continue. Remember, there are some advisors to the king that want to listen to Yirmiyahu and want to um, listen to his advice. And, uh, and there are some that are very much against Yirmiyahu and very much want to fight the Babylonians, fight the Chaldeans, and um, fight to the finish. They are the ones that, that had sway over Tzidkiyahu the king, even though Tzidkiyahu the king himself, we see, had some doubts. So let's do verse 1, chapter 38. And the following officers of the king heard the news. One of them was Shifatyah ben Matan. The other is Gidal Yahu ben Pashhor. The other is Yuchal ben Shelem Yahu. Ufashhor ben Malkiah. These are one, two, three, four, four uh, officers. Esad Varim. They had heard the things, the matters which Asher Yirmiyoh Medaberel Kol Am Lemar which Jeremiah had spoken to the entire nation as follows. What was it that he said? Yirmiyahu had, by now, the city was about to fall, and the prophet had told, advised the nation, advised the people to get out while they can. <laughs> Go, <clears throat> excuse me, give yourself up to the Chaldeans, wave a white flag of surrender, leave the city, and you may have a chance to live. If you stay here, you're going to be killed when they breach the walls. This is verse 2, so says God. And these are the instructions of Jeremiah to the people in the name of God. That anyone that lives and remains within the city, Yamut, will die. Whether it will be by the sword, by starvation, or by disease. But he who leaves and gives himself over to the Chaldeans will survive and his at least his life will remain um, uh, that will be what he gains from his action 
is literally shalal is booty. It's what a person gains usually from battle. But here we're saying this this what will you have left of the fight? You'll have left your soul, your life, and you will survive. So he advised people to leave and survive. Soon we're gonna understand a little bit better which was kind of obvious the whole time, but we'll see it clearly in their words, why they hated Yermio so much, why these officials uh, were so upset with Jeremiah and and were so desperate to keep him quiet. Verse 3, Ko Adonai, this is Jeremiah speaking again, so says God, the city shall be given over into the armies of the king of Babylon, and he will capture the city. And he kept on repeating this message. So, those officers that we named before went and told the king, let put to death, execute this man, Jeremiah. Because, because of the way he is acting, he is ruining the morale of the, of the fighters and the warriors who are staying in the city. We have an army that's defending the city. And if you think about it, that army held out for two years against what was the most powerful nation on earth with an alliance with numerous other nations. This, the army was doing, actually, if you think about it, it was doing a pretty impressive job fighting, but by Yirmiyo constantly telling everyone that the fight is lost and there's no hope and go give up and hand yourself over to the enemy and wave a white flag of surrender, he's ruining their morale. He's making them weak. And he's also weakening the nation. It's not just the army that needs the strength and the morale to fight and the will to fight. The people themselves need to be there to back up the army. They need to be there to provide moral support. And But he's weakening, he's making them all uh, cowards. He's making them all be afraid. And he tells them things like this. He's not looking out for the peace of this nation. He's one of the enemy. He's looking out to hurt us. He's not looking out to help us. He claims that he's trying to save our lives, but in actuality, he is really just... Um, he's, he's really actually looking out for the enemy. He's really a traitor. So what we see in the response of the king to his officers, we see what was really a very weak king, a king that did not have the power to say what he really felt. Because we already know that Zidkiyo respected, that the king Zidkiyo respected Jeremiah, and he wanted to do what he can to save him. And he asked him advice, but he always asked him advice in secret. He knew, we know the king understood that Jeremiah was a holy man, and we also will get the feeling, especially in the verses we're about to read, that Zidkiyo probably even believed Jeremiah. He really seemed to believe him and realize that he was Jeremiah was giving him the right advice that he should give in to the Chaldeans. However, he didn't have the strength to override his own his own advisors. His advisors had more power over him than he had over them. So therefore we understand his answer as follows in verse 5. The king Tzidkiyo then said, I'm he is in your control. Go ahead, take him. He's in the prison courtyard. And the king admitted outright and said, because the king is not able to override you anything. I cannot, I cannot um, 
go against you. So we have the the um, vision of a king who is very, very weak, very weak at this time. Not that surprising given this fact that the city is under siege and the king really doesn't rule over much except for this last remaining army, but apparently he didn't have enough power to even tell his advisors to leave Yermioho alone. So what did they do? Now that they have had the king's permission, they took Jeremiah and they threw him into a pit, a pit that belonged to Malkiyahu ben Amalach, the, uh, the, one of the king's sons whose name was Malkiyahu. Uh, 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 and he had in his home he had a pit he had a pit which was also in the uh, courtyard prison and they lowered him down into this pit by ropes and within this pit there was no water there was nothing for him to drink all there was was mud and became engulfed within the mud Clearly, he was thrown there and meant to be left to die. However, as we know, there are there were servants in the king's household that still understood that Jeremiah was a prophet, that still respected him and still did not want him to be her harm. So, Vayishma Eved Melech Hakushi, a servant of the king who was an Ethiopian, so presumably Kushi um, means he was African, uh, uh, so and his name was Ebed Melach, the servant of the king. It seems that that was actually his name. His his formal name was King's servant. So you can either translate this as saying a servant of the king who happened to be Ethiopian heard what happened to Jeremiah, or you can learn that the person whose name was Ebed Melach, King's servant, who also was Ethiopian, who was Ish Saris, he was one of the eunuchs of Uhubi Beit HaMelech, and he lived in the house of the king. He was one of the king's servants. He heard that they had thrown Jeremiah into a pit. And the king himself, at this point, was sitting at the gate, gate of Benjamin. That was the gate through which Jeremiah tried to escape Jerusalem during the short reprieve of the siege that we read about in the last chapter. Now the king is sitting in that gate. And Eved Melech left the king's palace to go to speak to the king who was in the gateway. And he spoke to the king as follows. My master, the king. These people, these men, these advisors of yours did something really awful. They did something really bad. That which they did to Jeremiah the prophet was not right. That which they threw him into that pit. He's going to end up dying in there. There's no more bread to eat. There's no, no one can even throw food down to him. He's going to die there in the mud. They threw him in there to die. What they did was terrible. Now this Eved Melech understood that the king had a soft spot for Yirmiyahu, for, for the prophet, but he just didn't have the strength to override his officers. So the king then says, we, Again, we get this idea that the king is bouncing back and forth from whatever one advisor says to the other. So the king then says to He says to this man, the, the, his, his African servant, Take in your hands, 
take with you he had the king had a, surrounding him soldiers that were presumably there as the king's guard take 30 of my soldiers and that should be enough manpower to figure out a way to get Jeremiah out of this pit of mud before he's di- he dies. So, Vayikach, this is verse 11, Vayikach, Eved Melech, et ha'anashim biyado, he took with him these 30 men, Vayavo Beit HaMelech, El Tachat HaOtzar, and they came to the house of the king, underneath the storehouse, um, the where the king stored his, his, you know, or they stored the king's tools and all of his uh, belongings, uh, and they took, they needed to get supplies in order to get him out of this mud pit. So, they took their all whole pile of rags and and worn cloths and and um, in order to make a rope, so in order to help him out. And they threw all of these these rags into Jeremiah in the pit and they lowered them down with ropes. And their plan was as follows. So Evan Melach, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, he called down into the pit and told him as follows. Place this, all of those clothing, underneath your armpits. Because if we put the rope directly in your armpits, then it'll, it'll harm your armpits, it'll hurt them. Maybe even uh, bruise or worse, it might even pull the arms off because the ropes get really sharp and we're going to need to apply a lot of pressure to pull you out. So pile those cloths underneath your armpits, underneath the ropes, so that the ropes um, would go with the cushion between the ropes and the armpit. And Yermio did this. And then, with the, the strength of the 30 men, they were able to pull him out. Verse 13, They pulled him out with the ropes, and they brought him back and put him into the prison courtyard again. So now he's out of the pit. So the king first tells his advisors, go ahead, do what you want with him, and they throw him into the pit to die. Then his next advisor comes and says, it's terrible what they did. And the king says, you know, you're right. You should, we should get him out, and now he's out. So now the king, remember, the king does still respect Jeremiah, he knows that he's a holy man. He knows that his prophecies, he knows Jeremiah has been around for a long time and he wants his advice. So, so the king, Zedekiah, this is verse 14, sends a messenger to get Jeremiah and bring him in. Love brought him into him. Into the third entrance, the third entrance to the temple. There are various entrances. He called him to bring him to the, the third one. I presume he brought him into the temple rather than into the palace. Because remember before when Zidkiyo had a secret conversation with Yirmiyahu, it was in it was in a secret room in his palace. Now he calls him into the temple, presumably because he assumes that in the temple there's less likelihood that some of those... Um, officers who hate Jeremiah would would act violently towards him and try to kidnap him or kill him or throw him into the pit again. By bring, going into the temple, people it's less likely that they would defile the temple by committing acts of violence in the temple. 
So Zidkiyo now meets with him in the temple itself. And the king says to Jeremiah, I, I need to ask you something. I need to know what's going on. Please don't be afraid of me. I need to know what it is. Uh, I, need to, uh, I need to ask you this question. Jeremiah, of course, knows that Zidkiyo is going to be asking him what the result of this siege is going to be, what his own fate as king is going to be. He's going to ask him questions, and he knows that Zidkiyo is not going to like the answer. And Yermio already knows the consequences of what happens every time he tells people the truth. Every time he tells people what God wants him to say, that he ends up suffering for it. So he answered the king, and what would be the most obvious way to answer? Jeremiah says to Zedekiah, If I'm going to tell you the answer to whatever it is that you're going to ask me, you're going to end up killing me, just like all the rest of them. All the rest of them, they don't like what I say, so they throw me into a pit to die. They throw me into a jail to die. They put me in the stockade and whip me. I, 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 don't, I, I'm not, I don't want to answer your question. And if I give you advice, on how to maybe avoid the fate which is coming, you're not going to listen to my advice because Yirmiyahu knows that the king is not strong enough to, to do the difficult thing. He's not strong enough to override his advisors and say we should capitulate and we should save at least whatever's left of the city and the nation and give in to the Babylonians. So you're not going to listen to my advice. So, but Zidkiyahu, then, he really wants to know. He really wants to know Jeremiah's advice. So he makes him a promise. Verse 16. In secret, so presumably he, he, he whispered it to him because he was in a public place. So he whispered it to him. The following promise. I swear by God himself. Um, the God who made uh, this life for us, in other words, God who, made, who created us, who brought us into this world, gave us this life that we have. I swear that I will not kill you. And I will not allow you to be given over to those men. So here, the king finally promises Jeremiah that he's not going to hand him over again to the men, that, those officers that are trying to kill Jeremiah. So then, Yermio takes the promise of the king seriously, and he tells him the word of God as follows. Verse 17, So Jeremiah the prophet says to the king Tzidkiyo as follows, So says God, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of Israel. That if you wave the white flag and you go out of this city and you go to the officers of that represent the king of Babylon, that you will survive. And this city will not be destroyed by fire. And you and your household will survive. You still have a chance to save yourself and your family and the city from complete destruction. However, verse 18, If you do not go out 
and give yourself over to the officers of the king of Babylon. Then v'nitna ha'ir hazot biyad kastim the city will fall in the hands of the Chaldeans, usrafu ba'esh, and they will burn it down and destroy the city. And you will not be saved from their hands. You might be thinking of some secret escape, which we know he did attempt, but it will not be successful. If you don't go and capitulate now, you will be destroyed and you yourself will be captured. And then Vayomer Batsitkiyo was still too weak, too weak to do the right thing. He knew it was the right thing. He believed Yermio that it was the right thing to do. He realized and understood that his advisors were pushing him in the wrong direction, pushing him towards utter destruction. The war was completely hopeless at this point. Virtually every army in the entire world had allied themselves with the Babylonians against Jerusalem, which was about to fall. He realized that, but he was still too nervous. And now he's worried, but if I go and I hand myself over, what about all of the Judeans who have already given up and have already taken over on the uh, uh, um, I'm sorry not taken over have already given themselves over to the Chaldeans and now have switched sides I'm going to be like a laughing stock in front of them they're going to abuse me they're, the, all, all of those others they're going to say look at you you're the, you are the king see you foolish now you, you come and join us. You realize that the Babylonians are too powerful. And you, who are you? You're a nobody. He was afraid that he was going to be abused at the hands of the people that used to be his subjects, but are now loyal to the Chaldeans. Because of this, because of this fear, he would rather stay and get completely destroyed. This is a king who is just afraid to do anything because every possible thing that he could do to save himself would lead to something that he doesn't like in a situation where there is no really good answer. And then Jeremiah said to him, this is verse 20, They will not give you into their hands. They will respect you. Please listen to God. I'm promising you. I'm telling you. God has told me this. The voice of God which I am speaking to you it will be okay for you. You will survive. You will be respected. Don't worry about these things. Be brave. Be strong. Do the right thing. However, if you refuse to go, this is the thing which God showed me is going to happen. Now, in the next verse, he's going. this verse 22, he, describes, he says, you're afraid of people making fun of you. Think about what they're saying. They're going to say when they come. If you don't leave, and the city gets destroyed, literally this means all of the women that were left, that used to be as part of the house of the king of Yehuda, all of those women are now They're now found in they. The women left. They went to the stronger men. Your wives, they're gone. They went to the men who were more powerful in Babylon, and now they're saying, They are saying, You have been seduced. And the people who you used to think are your allies ended up beating you out. Now that your feet have stuck 
have gotten stuck in the muck. Nasogu achar, they have turned their backs on you. It's a little bit cryptic, but if you understand that he used the image of a woman who leaves a weak man for a strong man, but what he was, most of the commentaries understand, and, and the verse makes a lot of sense if you read it this way, he's not talking about actual women, although there may have been women that did this, but that's not the point of the verse. What he's talking about when he describes the women, he's talking about the nations. You, Tzitkiyahu, thought that you were going to gather together all of these nations, the Ammonites and the Moabites and the king of Tyre and all of them, and to unite against Babylon. And you wanted to lead this big rebellion against Babylon and be all so, so powerful. Those, the, the women are referring to those nations that, that they were, you thought they were in your camp, but now they're all laughing at you because they're sitting on the other side of the wall. They're sitting with the king of Babylon and laughing and saying, we tricked you. We've tricked you. We seduced you. We seduced you into rebelling, but all we wanted really was to stay loyal to Babylon and come crush you and take whatever bounty they would take from Jerusalem as a reward. This, this is what's happening now. Everyone's laughing at you. The only way to save yourself is if you join them and allow yourself to be subservient to Babylon. And all of your wives and all of your sons, they are going to be brought out to the Chaldeans and you yourself will also not be saved from them. You'll be captured by the king of Babylon. And the city will be destroyed by flame. This is what Jer Jeremiah told the king is going to happen if you don't listen to me and how you could be saved if you do listen to me. In the beginning of this verse, it said, all of your wives and all of your sons. It doesn't say your family. The reason why it's understood, and we'll see later, that the daughters of the king, Tzivkiyahu, actually were not taken captive by the Chaldeans in the end, and were not taken to Babylon. They actually remained in Jerusalem with the governor, Gedaliah ben Achikam, but we'll see that in a little bit in the later chapter. But So it's specifically stated, all of your wives and your sons will be taken by the Chaldeans. But it specifically doesn't say your whole family because some family members will remain in Jerusalem, but we'll get there. Now, Tzitkiyo hears the news. He understands what's going on, but he's too much of a coward to do anything. So he'd rather just sit there and allow his advisors to control him. So, Vayomer Yitzikyo Yermiyo. So, and Tzikyo, the king, was afraid that Jeremiah was going to go give these speeches to everybody and tell them all about what's going to happen to the king. And he knew that if he would do that, it would cause more violence against Jeremiah and maybe even against the king himself. So he said, Ish against the king himself because he'll look like a fool, you know, asking this Jeremiah rather than, you know, who's, who's a traitor rather than fight. So, if you want to save your life and you don't want to be killed by the crowd and you don't want to be killed again or thrown into the pit full of mud, etc., don't let anyone know about our conversation. If the officials will hear that I spoke to you, 
And more importantly, if they hear what I spoke to you about, uh, no, I'm sorry, if they will hear, if they will hear later that we spoke, because we're in the temple, people know that we're here. They'll hear that we talked, and they come to you, and they say, tell us what you spoke about with the king. Don't be afraid of us, we won't kill you. And they'll ask you what the king answered. They're going to want to know what was the conversation, what did you say to the king, what did the king say to you? Don't worry, we're not going to hurt you again. Now you and I both know that that's baloney. He could never trust them. He trusted the king, but he didn't. Yermio could never trust all of those people after all of what they have done to him. So if they ask you that, even if they promise they won't hurt you, you need to tell them as follows. I was just went in front of the king and I begged him and I beseeched him just that he shouldn't send me back into the house of Jonathan, which was where the mud pit was, so that I should be left to die in the mud. That was the extent of our conversation. Don't tell them that we had this whole conversation of advice about what the king should do and what the king shouldn't do and how he could save Jerusalem and so on. Just say that you came to the king in order to beg that you not be thrown into the mud pit again. So by, And what happened, of course? By the, the officers and the king's Officials did come to Jeremiah, and they did ask him by Yishalu Oto, they did ask him, and he answered them exactly as the king told him to answer. Then they left him alone, because that's a very realistic um, uh, description. Um, it, it certainly makes sense that Jeremiah doesn't want to be thrown back in the pit, and it makes sense that Zidkiyo gave permission to take him out. And that Jeremiah would go to the king and beg not to be thrown back in. Kilonish Mahadavar, because since he was whispering, and they said it secretly in the room, and he was whispering when he talked to Jeremiah, no one had overheard the conversation. So now Jeremiah goes back to the, the prison yard, Vayeshev Jeremiah goes back to the prison yard, and he remained there until the day that the city fell and the walls were breached, and the Babylonian army entered Jerusalem. And it was when Jerusalem was captured, and that ends the chapter, and the next chapter, 39, will continue what happened when Jerusalem was captured. Thank you so much for studying chapter 38 together. Looking forward to studying chapter 39, and of course the entire book of the prophet Jeremiah.